Michael Cohen's testimony was a big fat nothing burger. But we've got some red meat for the pro-Trump crowd. The Monica Perez Show starts now. This is Monica Perez, your libertarian voice on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Saturday from 3 to 6, here I am. And I have a bonus show tomorrow from uh, noon to 2, Sunday noon to 2. And next weekend, I also have Sunday noon to 2 and Saturday 5 to 6. So my show moves around a lot. Enough of that. Uh, Just want to jump in with both feet. We've got two big stories to talk about today. One is the testimony of Cohen in Congress, which I actually think the fact that he didn't come up with uh, this overwhelming evidence that uh, all everything that he said is totally damning to Trump. There's a lot there. You've probably heard some of it, but not what you're going to hear here today. But there's a local issue of urgency. Uh, it is the what's going on in the state legislature regarding uh, changes to the voting system. And we have our uh, really expert voter integrity activist and uh, what a powerhouse. And I think he alone with his group and our help can uh, restore or establish voter integrity here in Georgia. Garland Favorito of Voter GA is going to be here from five to six. So be sure to tune in for that. He needs your presence uh, or maybe your phone calls, but rather your presence Monday at 9 a.m. Uh, at Senate Committee Room. I think it's uh, C uh, CLOB 307, if I'm not mistaken. He will tell us. We'll be talking about it a lot today, uh, but we've got some call to action. He's going to tell us why, what's going on, and why it's so important. That's going to be at 5 o'clock. But I want to talk about the... The Cohen hearing, uh, Cohen was in testimony this week, saying, taking back a lot of what he said uh, previously about Trump not being involved in this or that. To me, what's going on uh, is just more of the same ambiguous, uh, confusing non-evidence, accusations, hearsay that both sides can latch onto as proof of what they already want to believe. Now, as a bottom line, I think all this personal stuff is a diversion from really important things that are going on in the world, policy changes, uh, and that this is a show, but that Part of the purpose of the show that we are being exposed to is to keep us fully engaged in what I call, many people call, the two-party psyop. This idea that there are two parties, Democrats and Republicans, who are truly fighting the good fight for their constituents. The, like, the Miraculously, the country is divided right in half, right along the line here, and that they fight on the same ideological grounds that we as citizens want them to fight for. But uh, a deeper reading of what's really going on, starting with the the probably most important, possibly most important book on political analysis, whether it meant to be or not, Tragedy and Hope by Carol Quigley, 
says we we have the system so that the people can cry out to throw the bums out and they will be replaced by uh, more bums from the other side who we also control. So I look at some of these stories and I wonder at what level the people who are acting these roles actually believe that uh, they are fighting the good fight or know that they're actually all serving the same master. And I think where the rubber hits the road with that is when it comes to really important matters. Number one is that it's supposed to be basically the warfare crowd versus the welfare crowd, if you want to put pejoratives on it, that the left wants to spend on welfare, the right wants to spend on warfare. But in reality, uh, you see the right spending like crazy, Trump signing his huge budget, and you see the left all... Uh, advocating or at least being pretty passive about calls for war, whether it's uh, Ukraine and Russia or pulling out of Syria or in intervening in Venezuela. You don't see these fall on your sword champions for peace on the left either. So I suspect that they really know what's going on and uh, and they're playing this game for their own political game. But uh, I want so when when you listen to the Cohen stuff, for me, what struck me most obviously is that that it is a show, and there's a lot of slander and hearsay and uh, stuff that would that offers nothing as far as factual evidence. It can only appeal to people who are thirsty to be satisfied with anything, to have some talking points or whatever, and that. That in itself makes me highlights to me the decline in the level of discourse, the level of civic engagement that we've experienced, I believe, since the McCarthy trials and not because of Joe McCarthy, but because of how when he was on trial, uh, how he was treated. And that kind of seemed to me like a watershed moment in just being able to slander people and say stuff that wasn't in evidence and and not get found out by it, probably because of a complicit media that doesn't dig this stuff up. But uh, so I look at that and I and and when you when you really think about the level of engagement here, it's so uh, disappointing. It, it also highlights why people who who prefer to blind us with this theatrical show are advocating younger and younger voting. There's actually, I think it was Oregon. I don't know where it was, but it was, I think it was where they recently proposed formally proposed lowering the voting age to 17. And why would you want to do that? You know, it's that it's, it actually is a kind of Marxist thing where the poor, um, I guess the young, uh, the oppressed, the uneducated are the ones with the true primal wisdom. They can be trusted because their instincts are so good that they can get us out of this. But that approach, that emotionalistic approach is not what's called for in uh, in a sophisticated society like ours is with sophisticated laws and complicated issues of uh, I mean, starting with property ownership and um, 
what's inherently right or wrong with socialism, for example, or even capitalism to the extent that it's crony capitalism or uh, corrupted financial capitalism. So, uh, so I see the the this week of of the Cohen uh, testimony in Congress as just showing us how really empty the discourse has has gotten. And I want to play some clips that I think highlight that. And then I do want to take apart some of the things, some of the claims he makes, which the evidence he offers does not support. And then we have, thanks to my trusty producer, Binkley, uh, some some clips that provide, I would say, some inadvertent evidence that Trump really isn't isn't everything coincident. Some of the stuff I I I think may be true, although nobody really talks about the real reasons behind that. Like I'm sure being in construction in New York, I believe there's plenty of evidence that uh, from the casinos to the construction business, you have to work, you have to back channel. You know, I, I believe that it's it's probably not possible to be truly successful in those industries without doing something that wouldn't necessarily stand up to the scrutiny of a of a national um, investigation at the congressional level. Yet you don't see any of that stuff. You see the stuff that that makes you scratch your head. So we're going to get into a little bit of that. Um, Binkley, how are you? I'm great. How are you? <laughs> Excellent. Thank you very much. Um, so. Uh, I know that you have a few things that I want to get to. We should. Uh, probably wait till after the break, but we have played before and I want to play again some of, so I think the, the bottom line here, the underlying issue that's that this revolves around is that Michael Cohen paid off Stormy Daniels uh, to, or paid off the, maybe it's that he made payments. It has to do with like magazines and Stormy Daniels herself and her lawyer and all that kind of stuff. But he made payments to suppress the story of that Stormy Daniels alleges against Trump. And he previously said Trump was unaware. And then now he's saying that he was aware that he lied before, but he's not lying now. Classic. Uh, but we, but it, to me, what nobody really asks is there, is there any actual evidence of, the stormy, the alleged, the allegations that Stormy makes that she had an affair with Trump, and I, I haven't come across any or even seen any offered. Have you? Other than those uh, allegations that he paid her, no. Right. So, so it's the cover up that's supposed to prove the crime, but of course, people cover stuff up, you, you pay people off. I mean, that's what blackmail is. It doesn't even have to be true. Yeah, Cohen admitted that during the hearing. He was asked if he had ever paid someone who uh, who was lying, and he said, yeah. Yeah, that's what you do. I mean, I, I believe, and then it's it's a tough thing, a tough line to walk, because they're going to use. I I think that Papa John escaped that trap that was being laid for him. They asked him to pay six million dollars to suppress uh, what they said was racist comments on his part, and he wouldn't pay it. And the comments never surfaced. So I think that they probably weren't the smoking gun that he knew they weren't, and they were pretending was. But it would have they wouldn't have even had to come up with the smoking gun if they had the smoking gun that he paid them and he didn't fall for that trap. But I think uh, this, you know, these people are easy targets. Uh, so I want to play what we've played before. We'll just do it real quick of why I think Stormy Daniels story is not true. Um, and, uh, and also get a little bit 
to the complexities of Trump's character, which seemed to be what Cohen was ultimately testifying about. So let's get to a break, and then we're going to start digging into this uh, a little bit with some uh, audio support. This is Monica Perez, open to calls, 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. Or you can tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. Monica Perez. She's an anti-Terminator. Terminator? On News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. I just got a call asking what book I was talking about. uh, And I'm tweeting it right now. Um. If you want to go to my uh, Twitter feed, at Monica Perez Show, you'll see it. The book is Tragedy and Hope by Carol Quigley. And Carol Quigley was, I believe, a mentor of Bill Clinton or teacher or both. And Bill Clinton actually thanked him in in, um, a dedication or something. I can't remember the speech, but Bill Clinton says with his own words, with his own mouth, that Carol Quigley was a, um, you know, a, a... someone he respected and learned from and all that. So what uh, So what Carol Quigley did was he wrote a book called Tragedy and Hope, and it, it's uh, the subtitle is a, uh, a History of the World in Our Time. And he went into the archives of, was it the Council of Foreign Relations? Are you familiar with this book, Binkley? A little bit. I don't know where he pulled from. I can't remember, but he he was given the keys to the kingdom. Maybe it was the Royal Institute for International Affairs, now called the Chatham House, which you, if you listen to our podcast, the propaganda report, you've heard about that. Uh, but what he did was he dug into what they were doing. It's basically the secret society and what they're up to. And he... He respected it and admired it, and the only thing he didn't like about it was that it was secret. He thought that this uh, this manipulation of the world, this plan for the world, the direction for uh, the entire vision for the whole world, was something that we should aspire to and work towards and um, appreciate from the uh, the elite. It's like called the Anglo-American Establishment was his follow-up book. And in it, he gets into so much stuff. That reveals the true nature of what is a conspiracy. It is a conspiracy. And he has a couple of real smoking gun statements like the one I said earlier. But uh, anyway, so check that out. I just tweeted it. um, And we're going to get back to the Cohen story after the break. This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez. Wait a minute. This is the future. All the phases. On News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. I am your libertarian voice on WSB, Saturdays from 3 to 6 when I can get it. I'm also on tomorrow, Sunday from 12 to 2. Uh, and I want to let you know at 5 o'clock today, I'm having Garland Favrito, voter integrity activist and expert, talk about what's happening right now in the Georgia legislature that uh, he is alarmed about. And it's a call to action. I think our last chance to slow this thing down is Monday at 9 a.m. Uh, at uh, the state Senate, and he's going to tell us what the issue is and what we can do at least to slow it down so we understand, so we can make our opinions uh, known. So tune in, stay tuned until 5 for that. We are talking about the Michael Cohen hearing uh, testimony in Congress, and 
Uh, I want to take some calls, 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. You can tweet at me, at Monica Perez Show. I'm going to Jay. Jay, you are on with Monica. Hi, Jay. Thank you for taking my call. My pleasure. I appreciate it. You're on um, the I'm actually you calling yeah. uh, because of your um, uh, uh, statements regarding Michael Cohen. It seems to me that what I'm what I'm really hearing is that you have a, a loose relationship with 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 the facts. And me? You, you you hear you, you I hear you talking, and we have facts to dispute. Yeah, uh, go Donald start Trump. fact one. Let's do it. I'm ready. Well, we have we have audio tape of Michael Cohen discussing this with Trump. We Let's hear. It. You got it. Where is it? A payment history. Hold on. Tweet me a link right now. Hold on. Slow down. Slow down. Slow down. Um, where is the audio? There, I've heard the tape. It's been played on the news. All right. Look, you got it. We're going to take this all off. You got to tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. The link to that audio. What's your second thing? Okay. Then we have payment history. You have checks. What is that? What are, you, are you talking about the check that Cohen submitted as evidence in Congress this yes. week? I got to talk yeah, about that. Right. I'm going to tell you to hold a second. Just hold on. This is what it is. It says uh, a copy of a check Mr. Trump wrote from his personal bank. This is from the prepared statements of Cohen after he became president to reimburse me for the hush money payments I made to cover up his affair with an adult film star and prevent damage to his campaign. I looked at the check. It was published on, I think, the front page of the Wall Street Journal. It's a personal check from Trump. To Michael Cohen for $35,000, which was supposed to be a retainer. And the amount it was, but then Cohen testified that actually it was reimbursement. And he said it was reimbursement. He was going to get 12 installments. Now, 12 installments of 35000 is $420,000. He said it's because they took the 130, they added 50 for 50000 for technical expenses. They doubled it to get rid of the uh, to insulate him from the tax effect, and then they gave him a sixty thousand dollar bonus. It's very tortured to get to thirty five as one twelfth of one thirty. So I do not accept that as evidence. So okay, you have Miss Daniels saying that this happened. Okay, you have Michael Coney's testament. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Miss Miss Daniels, she has a history of political histrionics going back years so so i'm going to finish and then i'm going to play some of the clips of stormy daniels that makes it okay puts her credibility into question and then okay. and cohen's testimony and then what you're saying is that everybody has a loose relationship with the truth except for donald trump hold on All so the- wait 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 no i'm not let's do this orderly fashion that Cohen's testimony was that he was lying before and that he's not lying anymore. He, uh, and it's really funny because in his original, uh, plea bargain, he, it actually says that he is insulated for having made, uh, false statements. This says in consideration of your client's guilty plea, your client will not be further prosecuted criminally, for any false statements made by him to the U.S. Congress or to this office in connection with the conduct described in the criminal information section of this document, um, et cetera, et cetera. So 
He's convicted of lying to Congress in the past and immune from it, at least for the past. So I think that he has no credibility in that regard. You know, the only thing that Michael Cohen stopped doing is he stopped lying with Donald Trump. How do you know? He has no credibility. How do you know that he stopped lying? Now he's in the now he's in the pocket of the government. Now is when he's totally insulated from lying. He had to go to jail for three years for the lies he told before, but now he's working with them. He's working for them. Who's going to prosecute him if they're the ones who are putting him up to it? You, you know what, what's, what's, what's funny is that it's amazing. Everyone who works with Donald Trump, when they stop working with him, they're either silent, they either badmouth him, or they're going to ask us when it's all said and done, when he's out of office, they're going to say, don't judge me because of what I stopped Donald Trump from doing. No one leaves there with good things to say about this man. Well, you presumably when you're him, leaving. All of you are going to be on the wrong side of history. I guarantee that. I, I think you misunderstand my position anyway. I also diverted from the question. Oh, you sorry, asked him Binkley, questions. He was trying to prove a case, and he was unable to prove it, so now he's – no, what? no, 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 no. The thing about it is, is that you all believe Donald Trump and you. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Believe Donald Trump. Lying. What did Donald Trump <laughs> say? Michael lying. Stormy Hold Sanders on. Lying. What Cohen's did Donald lying. Trump. Dude, Jay, what did yeah. Donald Trump say that you think I believe? I think you believe that he didn't have an affair with Stormy Daniels. And he wasn't responsible for payments to cover this up. That is true. But I don't I don't even know if he said that. I just don't believe it because of her history. I think Cohen's a liar. And I think Donald Trump is a germaphobe and a cheapskate. And I think he does his cheating in a very different way. And I don't know if he cheats on Melania, but he definitely you, cheated on Ivana. Do you, remember, do you remember when he said he had no knowledge of who Stormy Daniels was? He had no knowledge of the payment? I wouldn't Talked be surprised about, about it. I don't remember him saying that, but I, that wouldn't He was on the me. airplane when he said he had no knowledge of who Stormy Daniels was. The reporters were there filming him, and he said he had no, no, no information about the payment. And now we have him on tape discussing the payment. Where, where is the tape I've discussing heard this the tape. Payment? It's that muffled tape that there's no, it makes no clear indication of what's being discussed. Everything that people uh, get from that has been projected into them by Hold the media. Hold on, Jay. If but you remember tweet that, that he had no knowledge of who Stormy Daniels was. He had no knowledge of the payment. Jay, and now we tweet have that. And the excuse is it's muffled. We can't understand it. I want to play it on the air. I don't have it. Jay, you must please tweet it to me. Send me the link. Tell me the link. Whatever, and by the end of the show, we're on for three hours. I will play it, and we can listen to it. I don't care. So, Trump is not my horse in the race. I'm a libertarian. I don't but, care. But, but, you, but you, you think he's an honest individual. No, I don't. <laughs> I absolutely do not. That's what I was saying from the beginning. I think Michael Cohen says some things that, that I started the show by saying, this guy is in casinos in Atlantic City and construction in Manhattan. There's probably, and they they 
took millions of documents from Cohen's office. If they wanted to prove this guy was dirty, they could probably prove, they could probably come up with better evidence than Cohen did on any single person who made their money in New York in construction or in New Jersey in casinos. I bet there isn't, there, it's possibly impossible to make it completely on the up But the difference is, is they're not in the White House and Donald Trump is. No, but you're missing my point, Jay. What I'm saying is this whole thing is smoke and mirrors a show. There may be real stuff that you don't like about Trump, maybe even stuff that could put him in jail. But nobody's really talking about that. What we're doing is we've got this guy spewing a bunch of nonsense that people believe if they want to believe it and don't believe if they don't want to believe it. How is it nonsense that the president of the United States misled the public, paid off a porn star before he was elected to hide it from the from the media, and he's sitting there in the Oval Office discussing a payment to cover it up. Here's the thing, Jay. I, we've, we're, now that we've come full circle twice, I have to stop. But I, li- I, I do I, – I want to get to the point that the evidence isn't really there. You have to believe – this is not – the porn star thing, campaign finance, it's such small potatoes compared to what really happens in the halls of power. So why are we focusing on it? Maybe to distract us from what is really happening at the highest levels with the big money, with three commas. You know what I mean? Like it could be a much, much more interesting conversation, especially since this guy's had millions of documents confiscated. What do you think, Binkley? I can't believe Jay thinks that you think Trump is honest all the time. <laughs> well, Jay might be a first-time listener. Uh, so, yes, here's the thing. So I actually um, – I have other – I wanted to get a little deeper into this. So I believe that that – the story here with Trump and his presidency and the dialectic that's going here, the fight that that the left and right is having, I think it's a setup. And I, my first uh, indication of that, my first sense of that was when Trump launched his campaign with a comment about illegal immigrants being criminals or whatever the exact quote was, I don't remember. And then shortly thereafter, uh, the Kate Steinle shooting happened that, fit his narrative or was at least promoted to fit his narrative, just like other uh, exploited crises promote uh, unpopular policies. And that made me think that what was happening here with the Trump presidency was was very, very high level politics above parties because San Francisco is Democrat. So the fact that they didn't... um, expose some of the funny business that went behind the story of that guy. That guy was that the shooter of Steinle was in jail in like a mental jail hospital for five years because of repeat repeatedly try to get into this country. So in the beginning, they were saying there's no law that puts you in jail. This guy, I believe, was crossing the border to get into jail because he was so poor and um, mentally ill. So then the sheriff, which with a very shady past in San Francisco, intercepts his deportation when he was released for a pot charge that wasn't even a law anymore in San Francisco. And when he got his hands on him, he released him without telling ICE about it. 
Then the guy wakes up on the pier after taking some pills he found, and the package in his hand goes off, and that was a gun. That is really the story. That's actually the story. And I, I thought, if the public defenders don't get this guy off, they're in on it, too. I tried to contact them. I was following the story. There was nothing. His, the guy's name changed. I can't even remember his name now. Then this week, this week, the guy who the champion of the little guy, public defender in San Francisco, slim, fit-looking guy, 59 years old, just dropped dead under mysterious circumstances, which is now being investigated by the cops he was always at odds with and a medical examiner he tried to fire just a couple of weeks ago, Jeff Adachi. A-D-E or A-D-A-C-H-I. I have a lot of material on him. We've got another show tomorrow. I want to get into that. So for me, the Trump presidency isn't uh, about, you know, I don't have a MAGA hat. I just, <laughs> I just want us to stop waiting around in the weeds. I want us to look at the bigger picture. And this was such a show. And I want to point out that Jay thinks that there was all sorts of evidence and I don't see it, and I, he's not giving it to me. So I want to keep going with the calls. 404-872-0750, 800-WSB-TALK. You can tweet at me, at Monica Perez Show. Monica Perez. Evil does seek to maintain power by suppressing the truth. On News 95.5 at AM 750, WSB. Looks like we hit a nerve with the Michael Cohen conversation, so let's get to the phones, 404-872-0750. I am going to Jacqueline. Jacqueline, you are on with Monica. Hi, Jacqueline. Hello, hello, hello. All right, I can't hear Jacqueline. I'm going to think it's her, not me, so I'm going to put her back on hold, and I'm going to go to Jim. Jim, you're on with Monica. Hi, Jim. How are you doing? Well, I'm uh, I'm well fed and I'm happy and I'm enjoying your show. <laughs> That's great. I love positivity. <laughs> you know, uh, I've I've had a running conversation with a good friend of mine, and I've said, imagine that if uh, people don't realize that all radio and TV stations receive a broadcast license from the government. Now, imagine if you were to apply for a new broadcast license from the FCC. And when they inquire as to what type of programming you would be broadcasting, you honestly answer them that it would be 24 by 7 anti-freedom commentary, anti-American propaganda, divisive speech designed to pit Americans against Americans, opinions and and, and commentary uh, trying to abolish the Electoral College and libel and slander against any conservative or any conservative groups. You promote socialism and fascism. Do you think they would grant that license? Well, I'd like to say no, but I do see CNN. <laughs> <laughs> and so and so my point is simply this. I've just described what we get 24-7 from the mainstream media. Yeah, and around, not just CNN. Is the following. I think that they should have to renew their license every year, and there should be two kinds of licenses. On the Chiron, underneath their talking heads, it should say this is opinion, commentary, and not uh, news, and then they should get another license for just hard news, because these people will argue for an hour over how many inches they're in a foot and tell what tell us what we're supposed to think about it. But the actual news is that there's 12 inches in a foot, and then the other 59 minutes is commentary and opinion about how that's going to hurt us and harm us. 
I, I think they need to be reined in. They're out of control. We do not have a news media. We have a CIA propaganda mill. And the Congress did pass a law that said that our own government is allowed to feed us propaganda. Yes, Jim, you're hitting on so many things. I, I actually want to come back to them after the break. Uh, news is not, it doesn't have to be news. It can just be entertainment. I'm going to hit on that and why we have FCC licenses. Mark, Jacqueline Weldon, hang on. More calls after the break. This is Monica Perez. This is your last chance. After this, there is no turning back. You take the blue pill. The story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to be. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. This is Monica Perez, your libertarian voice on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB, Saturdays from 3 to 6. Yes, it is a Saturday, and I am on from 3 to 6. Tomorrow I'm on, Sunday from 12 to 2. And next week, the same Sunday, 12 to 2, but Saturday, 5 to 6. And uh, we are uh, well into a lively discussion about uh, Michael Cohen's testimony this week and kind of the broader implications of that. I'm not here to parse his testimony, to defend Trump, to condemn Trump. Not at all. I'm I'm just trying to point out they confiscated millions of documents from this guy's office, which is the most alarming thing about this story, to be honest with you. Making the privileges go away that you have with your attorney who is meant to protect you from an all-powerful government is a very serious violation of our rights and protections. It's not a privilege. It's a protection. The Bill of Rights are protections against a government that we imbued with what could be limitless power if we don't limit it. And a lot of it, a lot of the Bill of Rights is about how we get to defend ourselves. So when they start saying some people like the Parkland shooter don't deserve a public defender, never pay attention to that. It's the one entitlement in the Constitution, from what I can tell. You are entitled to a public defender because you need, even if you're destitute, to be able to defend yourself against an overreaching government. So the fact that Michael Cohen's office was raided, to me, is the most serious issue regarding this whole affair. But uh, I've got some calls, and I'll take some more, 404 or 800-WSB-TALK. My last call was Jim, and I just want to he, – he said a bunch of stuff that um, all of which – or uh, much of which I could actually back up. So let me just hit his three points real quick. Then I'll get to some calls. The uh, first point he said was that the FCC should require that two different um, category categories exist. Or whatever. I don't want to put words in his mouth, but he was saying there there should be a disclaimer on stuff that isn't news that's presented as news, saying this is just opinion. Well, it's worse than that. It's that. Uh, the news is not required to be true any more. They're any more than the NFL is required to be real. That's that. This is uh, these things are adjudicated. The case I just tweeted at Monica Perez show. The case I'm thinking about with the FCC with news not having to be real is Jane Aker and Steve Wilson were a couple of Fox reporters whose true story about hormones in milk was suppressed by a phone call from I think Roger no to Roger Ailes from Monsanto. And uh, and they won at first, having been fired, I think, for pushing back on the the ruling that Fox telling them burying their story. But they lost 
I guess it, it kept going up. It kept being prosecuted. But you can see the you can pull a thread on the hit on the article I just tweeted. Uh, it'll get you, you know, if you're interested in researching it. But but the bottom line was they lost their judgment because uh, the judge ruled that news does not need to be true. So it's basically take it for what it is, entertainment, just like the NFL doesn't need to be real. Gamble at your own risk. Take it for entertainment. Uh, that was one thing. Also, I recall, and I could not read the entire history of FCC regulations in the break, but I remember reading, and um, I'm sure you can find it, that the original FCC licensing emerged not because people couldn't determine how they owned the uh, broadcast spectrum. Basically, you start broadcasting, just like soil. You start farming it. Nobody else already owned it. It's yours. And it was doing the same thing, uh, and you want that in land or in radio or whatever because you get people to start using it. If that's the way, it's like a good incentive to populate whatever it is you're trying to populate. And in this case, it was the airwaves. But the powers that be didn't like the messages. There was one particular guy who uh, I can't remember what his message was that hopefully I'll be able to get to that at the next break. But you can find it where uh, they did not want willy nilly stuff out there uh, without some uh, moderator curator and that's where you get these fcc licenses so it's really designed to uh control what we hear and then the last thing uh oh last thing jim said was that they passed a law it was an amendment to a law where it used to be banned to propagandize to to uh, push government propaganda on the american people and the last thing that journalist michael hastings who died in a fiery crash in la under what people thought might have been suspicious circumstances. I don't really know. But uh, his last article was about uh, this law coming down where they allow. Now, I don't know if it's allowed to be directed at uh, infiltrating the American mind or if it's just OK that it's uh, collateral damage. But propaganda is allowed in this country uh, by the U.S. government to the people. So you can investigate that. That was Michael Hastings' last article. And so that's some good stuff. I consider these at least places to go to try to put some meat on the bones of how things are really working. So I want real evidence. I want to see legal cases. I want to understand the history. And this is just the kind of in-depth answer the questions that I want instead of the Michael Cohen, trust me, he's a bad guy. And uh, look, I have a picture of him. Doesn't he look bad? It's like, that's not evidence. <laughs> you know? Actually, there was a picture and evidence. He said evidence that he's like, well, another thing that he did was he had a fake buyer bid up a portrait of himself at an art auction so that his portrait went for more than, like Mick Jagger's portrait, something like that. And as evidence, Michael Cohen uh, submitted a an article in the newspaper that talked about that, that Donald Trump's portrait went for a lot. And he said it's got Trump's handwriting all over it. And it did. And the handwriting was Michael C. and an arrow. So, like, he was telling him, I don't know what, but nothing. You know, and it doesn't mean anything to me. So these are the so-called evidence that people think came out this week, and I found not one bit of evidence that was compelling. So let's uh, let's keep it the calls. I'm going to 
Mark. Mark, you are on with Monica. Hi, Mark. Hey, Monica. How are you doing? Good. How are you doing? Awesome. So this is a funny thing. I, I heard the, the diatry between you and Jay going back and forth. But what's, what's funny is that you've got a 17 or 18 or $20 million slush fund that Congress has for sexual favors with interns and all kinds of problems that Congress is actually violating. <laughs> right. We have we have 20 or 30 or 100, probably more than that. But yet we want to talk about something that may or may not have happened with a guy who was a private citizen who had a brand that has happened probably a hundred times. But let's not bring up, let's not, let's not get down to the fact where we've got congressmen who are using taxpayers' money. Now, if Donald Trump would have used my taxpayer money to pay for Stormy Daniels, okay, I may say, I guess that's cool then because Congress is doing that. Oh yeah, that, what does he? Maybe he has access to that. It could be, but yeah. And yeah. if so, wouldn't you want just an investigation with like legal standards? And why would it be on the? Why would it be televised twenty four seven? Like I didn't even think about and that. that and, and, and that's my point. We haven't had any tele. We haven't had any discussions or televised discussions or investigations in front of any panel about the sexual you know, little innuendos that have gone on with Congress for the last 5, 10, 15 years. Where's that investigation? Well, Mark, well, where's have you, investigation? if you ever, did you ever hear of the Franklin cover-up? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Yeah, so it was, I believe it was primarily implicated Republicans, but the idea yes. was, yes. you know, there was yes. pederasty among, and pedophilia among Republicans, and I, I don't know if it was there that I read it, but the idea that, you could you intentionally want compromised people in positions of power. You don't want the investigation. You don't want a clean house. What you need is to have people who have been compromised and that you have evidence of it so that you can control what they talk about. I mean, that's that's an excellent you know, that's I think that's realistic. Yep. No, I, 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 I just I, like I said, I, I just think it's funny that we're looking at a private citizen we're having a congressional hearing about a private citizen, but yet we have documentation. We have documentation in front of Congress of congressional oversight people who who had sexual favors being done with at taxpayers' money, and they're not upset about that. All right. Look, look Mark, I'm going to ask you to do something for me. I, sure. I will say one thing is that. I found recently over the past year since the Parkland shooting, it is very difficult to get uh, real research on on big stories. A lot of stuff is buried. Disinformation is there. There's fake news on purpose. Uh, Also, when the entire news industry does not focus on that stuff, it's very hard for Binkley and I to just go to original documents, read. You know, I'm trying to sort through this Michael Cohen stuff, I've got, you know, just, I, I still had 50 pages of original court documents to sort through before the, the <laughs> show. And I want to, so there's a lot of stuff I can't do, but I might could do that. So if you, I don't know if you tweet. I do. You I do. do. I, I, oh, tweet, I, tweet tweet a, I tweet a lot, by the way. Oh, tweet at me, at Monica Perez Show. Give me a couple of links, like threads I can pull, and, and I will uh, see if I can do a special report 
if not on the air, but I think it would be good on WSB, but I also do a podcast with Binkley called The Propaganda Report. And that topic, because it does fold in with other stuff we've been talking about, the Epstein pedophilia thing. And I, I, yep. I and so I would love to at least reveal that because I look at these common things and I think the same thing. I don't even want to talk about this, but the fact that we're talking about it is the is the story, in my opinion, because of what you're saying. What are we not talking about? That, that's that's the bigger point. But I, I I'd be glad to send it to you, Monica. And huh, uh, I, would love it. Uh, I mean, I I got some documentation. I think will that it, that will will show what we're talking about to be uh, to be really some cool stuff. Yeah, let's. Uh, all right, Mark. Thank you very much. I'll look for your tweet, uh, Weldon. I'm going <clears> to <throat> wait for you after the break because I want to give you some time. Uh, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. Of course, you can tweet at me, at Monica Perez Show. And uh, and I do want to get to, let's play, Binkley, at the bottom of the hour, let's play the Stormy Daniels clips and that really interesting clip that Epstein's victim's lawyer said about Trump. Let's go to his uh, character in these particular cases. I'm not talking about stuff where I think they don't deliberately don't focus on what there might actually be some evidence. I, I wonder if it's a very high level distraction. But in any case, uh, I think that people will be fascinated by some of the clips that you have. Uh, we'll do that at the bottom of the hour. This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez. No, never give up. Never surrender. <laughs> On News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. We are back. I want to uh, take a call. Weldon, you've been waiting. Thank you. Weldon, you are on with Monica. We're talking about the Cohen investig- Cohen testimony in Congress. What you got? Hey, Monica. I just wanted to discuss the gentleman, Jay, the comments he was making. President Trump and what they did, I believe, was on his time and not our time. I wonder what Jay would think about the affair between Monica and Bill Clinton that you and I were paying for. That's interesting. And you know what's even a little deeper than that uh, is that that was a distraction from the Vince Foster investigation. Now, that was a more serious crime. Vince Foster's, what happened was Miguel Rodriguez was investigating for the government on the the Vince Foster suicide, and he said that the government's conclusion that it was suicide was wrong and that further investigation was required. He resigned because they wouldn't do it. Brett Kavanaugh took his spot and then just whitewashed the whole Vince Foster thing, and Ken Starr, I believe, uh escalated the Monica Lewinsky thing just to distract us from deeper crimes. And I haven't heard, I mean, Binkley pointed out at the break that this testimony was actually pursuant to, or Michael Cohen's relevance was pursuant to the Russian collusion accusation of which he, there is no evidence. So it may even be the opposite where they're manufacturing this because there's no underlying issue rather than burying the real underlying issue. But anyway, I'm going a little far field for you, Weldon, but I understand what you're saying. You are saying that there is a double standard and that what Clinton, it's even worse than that because what Clinton did was actually in the White House, in the Oval Office. Uh, But I I do think that this stuff is all how I, what, what I said in the very beginning, which is this tragedy and hope idea, this idea that we have to have two parties both 
ultimately serving the same master and the same and the master is CFR the Royal Institute of International Affairs who whoever I don't know who the master is but there are a lot of foundations a lot of networks around the world institutions that I believe the controllers of those transcend uh, parties and national borders. And I believe that people like Stacey Abrams and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez are are puppets of those entities with created legacies. I'm hoping that tomorrow on the show from 12 to 2, I can get into some more stuff I uncovered about what BS, it seems to me, Ocasio's backstory is. I mean, the timeline, I can't even make it work. And and I think that they're that they themselves are there to serve this higher power that absolutely transcends party, but they use the party conflict to keep our eye off of that ball. And I would love to see them uh I would like to see anybody kind of pull back the curtain, but I don't think it's gonna happen. We're gonna try though. And uh, But, Binkley, I am interested in the clips you have. I think they're fascinating. We're going to play those at the bottom. Uh, you can call 404-872-0750, 800-WSB-TALK, or tweet at me, at Monica Perez Show. Monica Perez. It's all you. Oh, my God. I knew it. I knew it. On News 95.5 at AM 750, WSB. I am your libertarian voice on WSB, Saturdays from 3 to 6. And uh, we at 5 o'clock, top of the hour, we are going to have Garland Favorito from Voter GA telling us about a very important call to action, critical for voter integrity. Uh, time is of the essence, so listen in. Uh, also, I got a, a direct message, which thank you very much for correcting me. Such a simple, basic error. Uh, earlier, we were talking about the FCC, and I mentioned uh, – uh, this CNN as being broadcast, but it is not broadcast. This DM says not broadcast. The FCC has no input and no broadcast licenses required. Same for FNC and MSNBC. Excellent point. So uh, I want to take a quick call and then I want to get to Binkley's interesting clips that I think shed a little light on or maybe counter Cohen's hearsay. We'll we'll throw a little hearsay in there, but uh, it'll be interesting. Okay, I'm going to Jeremy. Jeremy, you're on the air with Monica. Hi, Jeremy. Hey, good afternoon, Monica. Good. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. It's very nice to speak with you. I was, I was uh, just – I've got an echo. I do apologize. I was just calling because you uh, really piqued my interest earlier with uh, – kind of saying something I've been saying for about 10 years now, that it's one snake with two heads. And, uh, you know, we're all just kind of being led in the same direction no matter what. <laughs> you know, yes, they, they yes, yes. They the, the welfare warfare super state. Why not the libertarian third way of neither? You can't compromise? Let's just go with the Tenth <laughs> Amendment and have neither. Uh, and I, I love it. <laughs> with, yeah. that, with that said, I've always had a question, and I can't, I can't get an answer, and that's that's by design, I'm sure. I'm just curious what your opinion is. Who is they? Who are they? Who are them? Is it some kind of cabal that's leading us all in this direction that is, is after one goal? Or is it I, – I used to think it was the banking families, but I think that's just a, that's a, a smoke screen. But I'm, I'm just curious what you think. Yeah, that's a, a great answer. Um, great question. And, yeah, I feel like anything that's there for us to latch onto to answer that question is probably 
uh, is probably a smokescreen. But I really don't know. Maybe stuff is hidden in plain sight. So I try not to go down the normal conspiracy avenues. But I, the, my kind of rule of thumb is always I don't know whether it's the Rockefellers, the Rothschilds, or Rhodes, my three R's of who's at the top. Winston Churchill himself called it a high cabal. There's uh, John Coleman, a real guru of the conspiracy, wrote the Committee of 300, which was there was a circle within the circle of the Council of Foreign Relations, which is a daughter of the Royal Institute of International Affairs, which I believe was what Cecil Rhodes established. And he... I'd, I'd heard this before, but James Corbett just was doing stuff on World War One, and, and he went through this also where Rhodes, Rhodes idea, he set up a round table, I think it was called his idea was to reinstitute the British empire, but under underground surreptitiously to get the U S back in their fold, which I think the fed did federal reserve is really a bank, a lender of last resort to European banks, I think. And that is exactly what it was used for in 2008. So that supports that theory, which was in existence before 2008, and that he wanted English to be the spoken language around the world, to have British-style social democracy to be the accepted political form. And since that stuff's all happening, I have to put a little credit there. Uh, so then you have uh, the big banking families, Rothschild, uh, all the nefarious activity of Rockefeller, who very deliberately rehabilitated his image as being charitable, but then set up these charitable foundations that are tax exempt. They do not, they can be controlled from the grave, unlike a normal inheritance, which um, is limited by the rule against perpetuities. You can't make a decision of how things are going to work forever. These are, are immortal entities. And if you watch Norman Dodd's interview on YouTube about his research for Congress, which was originally, he did it for the Reese Commission, but the one before that, which kind of fizzled out, was the Cox Commission, which was Cox Radio, that the Governor Cox many years ago tried to get to the bottom of it too, and, uh, but Norman Dodd was shut down. But what he had discovered was the Carnegie Endowment, for example, was deliberately trying to foment war, and then we ended up with World War One about our entry into World War One shortly thereafter, in order to change our uh, basic assumptions about liberty and even to rewrite our own history. So to change our culture from being individualistic to collectivist. So you've got a lot of forces back there, and I think they all kind of work together. And you see the institutions, the World Economic Forum, the Bosch Foundation. You see all these, you can see many, many institutions, Rockefeller, uh, I think the Google guy has one now, and they all kind of work towards the same goals and act like it's totally accepted that these are what the goals should be. The UN puts out the sustainability goals. I, they seem to all work in concert right now, and my assumption is that they're really just funneling all the money and power to the top and uh, and the control. And um, is it family? Yeah, I think it's probably families, but I think other people enter and exit I don't think they have loyalty to the people in the group, and I think they have to enter, let new blood. But that's kind of how I think it works. That's that's the best I can go with right now, and I think it's satisfactory because my bottom line is I don't know what news is real or not, but 
I do know when news is being used to take away my rights. So when Cohen's office was raided for no good reason, every single thing was taken, even though there was absolutely no chance every single thing pertained to whatever it was. I don't even know if there was a warrant. There was a warrant, but they won't tell us what it said. So that's when I say I don't care. I don't care about the underlying crime at all. I care about the rights that this person is being robbed without any commentary from the media or even civil rights organizations. So I don't care what the real answer is. I just know that if we retain and maintain our protections, and funny enough, I'm very cynical about where the direction is and how powerful that group is, that um, powers that be are. But I will say, I think maybe the only hope for liberty is or ever is just kicking that can, just keeping it at bay. That malevolent force is always waiting in the wings. And I have concluded that uh, elections with integrity, and I talked earlier about Jeff Fadecci or Dachi, who uh, died in San Francisco recently after being the running the public defender's office and exonerating the guy who allegedly murdered Kate Steinle, he was elected and the machine tried to get rid of him. Willie Brown pushed him down and inserted somebody on top of him just in time to run against him. And he defeated her. And, uh, and he was really a champion and an example of like how hard it is to get rid of somebody who, uh, who has the respect of the people. And, and there's a chance like Ron Paul, I feel like there's a chance that you can get somebody elected, uh, but there's probably no chance you can get somebody appointed who's going to fight the good fight for you. So that's why I want to talk to Garland at the top of the hour about Georgia's elections, which rate very poorly. Despite his activism, let's try to help him turn that around. Uh, thank you so much for calling, Jeremy. Binkley, let's hear – the first thing I want to hear is – so Michael Cohen spent the week – just slandering Trump, bashing him. Maybe tomorrow we can play some of the clips of uh, Wasser's, uh, Wasserman Schultz just saying, just a spewing stuff not in evidence and asking Cohen to just pile on. And he's like too smart even to do that. But we can, maybe we'll save that for tomorrow because I really want to play today this clip of uh To the extent Cohen was just saying over and over again, if you listen to it, Trump's a bad man. We're all good and bad, but he's he's mostly bad. You know, that was literal. That's almost a direct quote. The bad outweighs the good. That was it like that. That that, this is testimony. So. Let's hear somebody else's testimony that that's not true. So Binkley, set this up for us. Tell us who it is. And then let's hear it. This is Bradley Edwards. He is the lawyer for over 30 of Jeffrey Epstein's victims, been fighting against Epstein for over 10 years, been fighting on behalf of the victims for over 10 years, has personally interviewed Trump on this subject. Does everybody know who Jeff Epstein is? The convicted sex offender who was facing potentially life in prison but got a sweetheart deal, which ended up getting him basically a slap on the wrist. Right. So what he all, what he did was he arranged underage prostitutes or sex slaves for high-powered people, and funny enough, everybody gets protection. There's mm-hmm. no expose, and uh, but it's been in the news lately because Alexandra Costa, in Trump's administration, was the guy who gave him the sweetheart deal. Now you have argued, and I think it is true that he was under a lot of pressure to do so. That doesn't exonerate him, but uh, but but I think the reason they're now bringing up this thing about Alexandra Costa, even though they he was appointed already is that 
they're trying to it's possible that they're trying to implicate Trump that he has cronies who are in on this and all that and they're hoping that if they open that can of worms Trump will slither out but uh that I never really thought so because like I said before he's a germaphobe and a cheapskate I really do not think he's or uh actually that wouldn't count if you're a germaphobe but uh I don't think that he is into underage girls I don't think there's any evidence of that I just I've never seen it so what does this guy say? Do we play it? Yes. Our current president has had relationships with Epstein in the past. Are those uh, Katie Johnson and maybe other victims who have accused Trump of being involved in things like this? Um, in my experience, Trump supporters will not listen to anything along those lines. Obviously, we're not a court of law here right now. But are those claims of those, though that case was dropped? It was dropped before it went to, to court. In your opinion as a lawyer and your experience, is there anything you can say as to the validity of those claims or whether or not there will be any, you know, any more about that? Nothing at all. I, the only thing that I can say about President Trump is that he is the only person who in 2009, when I served a lot of subpoenas on a lot of people, or at least gave notice to some pretty uh, connected people that I was going, that I wanted to talk to them. He is the only person who picked up the phone and said, let's just talk. I'll give you as much time as you want. I'll tell you what you need to know. And was very helpful in the information that he gave and gave no indication whatsoever that he was involved in anything untoward whatsoever, but had good information that checked out and that helped us and that we didn't have to take a, a, a deposition of him. That was in 2009? That was in 2009. Uh why aren't they interviewing that guy? Yeah, I don't know. It's mind-boggling <laughs> that they can accuse him through a loose association with Acosta of being involved in international sex trafficking, but oh, they don't yeah. interview the lawyer of the victims. That's very – yeah, right. I mean, I, I do not think that's a worm that's going to slither out no. of the can of you know Epstein and Acosta. So I thought that was very interesting. Then after the break, maybe coming in from the break, let's play clip eight, which is – uh, a little backstory on Stormy Daniels, which regular listeners have heard before, but not enough. Not enough people have heard this one. This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez. Bring big drama show. Let's go. Let's do it. On News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. We have to have a contest one time to say who's what. Oh, my gosh. First person to call. I have a prize pack. First person to call to identify who that was in the clip. Big drama show. Who says that? There might be no winners. Then we'll give it away again in a half an hour. But if the, anybody knows what that is, uh, they get this prize pack. A pair of tickets to see Casey and the Sunshine Band Thursday, March 14th at Cobb Energy Performing Arts Center. Tickets are on sale now at Ticketmaster.com and the Cobb Energy Center box office. First to call and get that reference right... 4047410750 gets the tickets. I better uh I better tell the <laughs> screener who it is. So Binkley, tell us um uh we've got this clip from Stormy Daniels from 10 years ago. Why was Stormy Daniels in the spotlight 10 years ago? Because she was pretending that she was going to run for office because she was a political operative trying to, trying to bring down a Republican. David right. Vitter. Yes, yes. And I've heard this clip before, and I looked into it before the show to see if David Vitter has ever come out and said, D she's a charlatan. 
She's a charlatan. She's a huckster. Don't, you know, don't fall for her nonsense. We've been down this road before. And uh, do do we know when the affair allegedly took place with Trump? With, yeah. I think 2006 or seven. Maybe? I feel like it was before this. Yeah, I think it was. Definitely. Suppose allegedly. I don't believe it. And think of Melania 13 years ago. You think he's Smoking. stepping out with with Stormy? <laughs> <laughs> don't think so. All righty, then let's uh, let's hear that clip. Have you been recruited to run against uh, David Vitter? Uh, I have. This is not something that I asked for. I'm apparently I'm being drafted. By whom? Um, a group of politician. Uh, I'm sorry, a political group down in Louisiana. The Democrats have put out a statement saying, "Look, they're not the ones behind this. This is this is not coming from the Democratic Party officially." Uh, do you know otherwise? Um, as far as I know, this is not the Democratic Party. It's a a grassroots movement independent although once again i'm not really sure who it is yeah that was a very cute Freudian slip a group of politicians and then i found an article about it that said it was students little mischievous little students at the local college who really wanted to you know thought she was a great candidate to bring down vitter who had some sexual scandal up there well there was a democrat political operative that was found to be involved in helping her and they actually faked a car explosion to go along with this whole uh, charade as well. But they didn't kill him. No, no, no. No, I remember that. Oh, yeah, we went through all this when we did, um, we filled in for Mark Aram one night. During the break, let's find the episode. Do we have that? Did we ever get that? We might not have put that show up because it was off our regular thing. But um, it would be great if people could listen to it because it was fun. But we'll get to it again if we if we can't find it. We'll have to uh, get through the... I have a feeling Stormy Daniels, we haven't heard the last of her. So at the top of the hour, we're going to have Garland. So let's wait for that. This is Monica Perez. Please take my hand. Now open your mind to me. Please open your mind. Open your mind. Open your This is Monica Perez, your libertarian voice on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Every Saturday from 3 to 6, a little bonus show this week. I'm on tomorrow also from 12 to 2 and next week from 12 to 2 and Saturday from 5 to 6. So, uh, but I feel very fortunate that we had extra time today. Sometimes my shows get very short when I compete with UGA Sports because there is a very important I would say possibly critically important change in the uh, voting laws coming through the pipe. I So I invited my favorite activist, Garland Favrito, VoterGA.org. Let me see if I can. Can you hear me, Garland? Garland, can you hear me? You have got me, Monica. Right. Thank you for having me on. You're my favorite talk show host. Oh, that's super sweet. And I know you like Binkley also. Binkley's going to help me get to the bottom of this issue. So say hello to Binkley. Great. Okay. It's going to be hard to do because it's a complicated issue, and there's so much disinformation out there. But we'll try to shift, shift through it all today. Yeah, so this is what I want to do. Normally you're on just for one segment, but I'm going to keep you on as long as we need to 
Uh, and it's going to be interesting. People need to understand, like, this, to me, is the only way we're going to kick the can and preserve some control over this uh, supposedly limited government is to have voter integrity. So Binkley and I, it was complicated. I looked at your slides from the com- that you put before the commission or the committee the other day, and I can't say that it was crystal clear to me. So you're going to have to explain it to us in the way that people who really don't know what's going on uh, need. So why don't you launch it? What What's the issue? What, what's yeah, the issue? so the current, Monica, the current system that we have is what we call the DREs, direct recording electronic devices. And they cannot, you you as a voter cannot verify that the um, machine recorded your vote correctly. The election officials cannot audit the machines. And when you do a recount, it just reprints the previous unverifiable results because they can't recount a rest. I've got to just ask you a question. I mean, if there is absolutely no way to audit an election, how could you possibly know whether the election was valid or not? You can't, Monica. There is no way to know because there is no paper ballot audit trail for the machines. And they removed the law that required an independent audit trail. Um, and before they bought the machines, so, so they could I, buy the machines. I have to ask them. So when I think back of the biggest kind of election crisis we ever had, it was George Bush's hanging Chad, <laughs> which sounds a little funny. But um, so so the reason we could resolve that election, whether it was accurate or not, but at least, well, I mean, maybe that begs the question, like, is yeah. there any hope? But they had well, an what that big hullabaloo was, they went back and audited the election, right? Exactly, Monica. And, and we've always felt that was a good thing. They had the paper records to go back to. Now, those were punch card systems. And, of course, we're not recommending anything like that today. But but absolutely, you need a durable paper record that you can recount. So what do you recommend? Um, well, we, there, there are two there are two schools of thought right now that are under consideration. One is what they call a ballot marking device, and that is a touch screen that um, it, it allows you to print a paper ballot, unlike the existing system today. And then that paper ballot is fed into the scanner and tabulated. So wait, you personally as the voter can print it out? Yeah, that's option number one, which was you would print the the ballot out and you would scan it in to the scanning system. So you could verify it yourself. I'm not saying it's as good as writing it down on your own piece of paper, but you could look at it with your own eyeballs on the piece of paper. You can look at it with your own eyeballs, yes. Um, Now, there's some issues about the fact that whether or not it's really auditable. The experts have concluded that it's not really auditable because you have to have a source document that is uh, created personally by oh, the Oh, because they and, could. And independently yes. of the machine. Because if the machine prints the thing out, you don't know if it was printed later or pr- printed a duplicate at the back, if it didn't have your actual marking on it, right? That's right, and you you can't audit what the machine showed to the voter and what the voter 
selected. Got it. So if the machine left off a race or something like that, right. you have no way to know. Right. So that's option number one. We call it ballot marking device. Option number two is just to, to hand mark the ballots exactly the same way that you do on an SAT test in school. And then the, vo- then the voter would scan that ballot into the scanner. And from the back end system, the two methods are exactly the same. So the only question is, how do you mark the ballot? Let me ask you a question. When you fill in the SAT thing, if you did a complete jumbled mess and drew cartoons on the edges and everything and you jammed it into the machine, would it tell you that it was not validly marked? Yeah, the the scanners, that's a great question. The scanners are set to detect overvotes, for example. So let's suppose you pick two candidates in one race. The scanner will kick that uh, ballot out and give you the opportunity to correct it. Okay, so like the hanging chad thing where votes were ambiguous is less likely to happen when you have a scanner like this because it won't accept ambiguous voting. Well, right. All the modern scanners have that kind of verification right. on them, which we didn't have 20 or yeah, so I'm just, years ago. I'm just trying to – that would be my only concern with why – the only argument I can imagine to not want hand-marked ballots is that they can't be read properly or, you know, they – so it, that satisfies me. Exactly. Yeah. And, that, and that is the argument that comes up quite often. And uh, But with the modern equipment pretty much – uh, takes care of that. Okay, so so those are the two options, hand-marked and the ballot. And what mm. I know there – so you believe – and you wh- – just give us a, a quick one sentence about your qualifications and experience in assessing this stuff. Okay, so I have been um, – I've got about 40 years of information technology experience and 16 years of research uh, into these uh, systems that we are, the actual voting system in Georgia. Okay, so... And, and, and Monica, let me add one more thing. Within those two options, uh, I forgot to tell you, there's some additional questions about what type of ballot marker should we buy? Should it have barcodes and that sort of thing? And then what? How, when do you print the ballot on a hand-marked paper ballot? Do you have to pre-print or just print on demand? In the precinct. So within those two options, those also are considerations. But the main t- the main issue is which type of the two should we have? Okay. So regardless of cost, in your expert opinion, which method do you prefer? Well, it's actually uh, I've been swayed by the real experts. It's, we have cybersecurity experts and audit audit uh, people, and they are all insisting that you cannot audit a ballot marking device printout uh, properly because of the source document issue. It's not an original source document created independently of the machine, personally by the voter. Therefore, there is no actual record that can be used for an audit purpose. So they are arguing and very effectively that you really cannot audit those, and therefore you should, they should not be purchased. So it feels to me like if you can't audit it, it's a matter of faith that the election was good. You have to assume that there's nobody crooked getting away with something crooked. Uh, well, exactly. It's, it's um, I mean, you... It's or not... even error, right? Because it wasn't there, there was, which we talked about on the show before, 
real concerns with the 2016 election here because clearly the voting system was hackable and it was hacked, you know, nefariously or not. It was hacked by the person who discovered the vulnerability. And there's no now we have not gone back and re and audited that election. But this would say that you could never. Yeah. And that's a great point. I'm glad you brought that up because there was no attempt to even find out what data was hacked and what the risk was and everything else. And instead, they just um, deleted all the data (laughs) and claimed that that was standard procedure, uh, which is not because I've been in the business for 40 years, and that's definitely not standard procedure to delete all the data before you figure out, you know, what your exposure was. I read your criminal complaints against or whatever – filing you made and the argument behind it against Brian Kemp for doing that and for his office claiming that it was normal procedure, which it wasn't. We have previous shows uh, at propagandareport.libsyn.com for, of that. Maybe I'll tweet later what, if people want to review that. We can't go back to that. But, uh, but yes, yeah, so you mm-hmm. want stuff audited because, bad, because things happen and questions arise. Right. And, and, and Monica, sure. what's interesting about that is the legal counsel who produced the, that, that phony report is also the legal counsel who's done all the work on this bill, House Bill 316. Oh, really? Okay. So, so, is there, so now what is being recommended, House Bill 316, which uh, passed the – what's the status of that right now? Yeah, it passed the House. Uh, It was kind of ramrodded through by the Speaker's leadership team. Um, House Bill 316 did not have a single Republican or Democrat sponsoring that bill other than the leaders of David Ralston's uh, leadership team. And it went through, and now it sits in a Senate uh, ethics uh, committee, subcommittee, which we will have for elections, which will... Um, here on Monday about 9 a.m. Okay, so what I want to do is I want to take a quick break, and when we come back, I want you to tell us what House Bill 316 says and where it's headed and and just continue with I think we're going at the right pace. So let's just take a break and um, get to the the meat of that matter after this. Thank you, Garland. This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez. They think they control the galaxy. I disagree. On News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. I don't think anybody got the prize pack. Let's try again. The drop was Triple G, Gennady Golovkin, my favorite boxer, the guy who got robbed by the machine. Oh, that's who it was. Binkley, you know darn well. He's my favorite boxer. Uh, So let me read you the prize pack. It's a pair of tickets to see Casey and the Sunshine Band Thursday, March 14th at Cobb Energy Performing Arts Center. Tickets are on sale now at Ticketmaster.com and the Cobb Energy Center box office. First to call, just the first person to call, 404-741-0750 gets the tickets. So I'm going back to Garland, Favorito of Voter GA, because we are talking about a very important piece of legislation that is, uh, it used his words, being ramrodded through the system. So I wanted to uh, get to Garland. What? So this is HB 316, and it's going to, it's in the Senate. Is it still in the Senate Ethics Committee? Is that where it is? Yeah, that's exactly right, Monica. And it was ramrodded through in about a week's time. Now, this is a huge bill, uh, 48 sections. 
and it was it went through all the committees and the House in a week. Wow. Unheard How many of. hearings were there? Could people go and stand up? Were oh, you there? yes. And we had two days of hearings with people uh, unanimously objecting to the bill. Wow. But the committee just basically ignored us and passed it anyway. Oh, well, let me uh, – I'm going to keep you on after the next break because I want to take calls, and I want people to know how they can at least try to slow this thing down. So let's – first of all, if people want to call, it's 404. Uh, call the regular number, 404-872-0750 or 800-WSB-TALK if you want to ask Garland to um, understand this better. But where – if people want to be a part of this or at least try to slow it down, what should they do? Where should they go? When? Well, one of the things they could do is ask for a fiscal note. This is going to be a $350 million total expenditure, and there's no fiscal note on it. There's no analysis of of the financial figures behind it. We have done our own analysis, and we have the best and most detailed figures so far of what the actual costs are for both options. And which which is a better which? How do the costs compare? So the the ballot marking devices will cost Georgia taxpayers an extra hundred million dollars, and uh, that's on the initial purchase. And then another ten oh, on million the initial per year purchase. extra on top of that. Oh, how much extra a year? Ten million uh, oh. statewide. I thought that three fifty was over the whole term. Well, well, yeah. So it is over the whole term. So, so oh, it's a hundred million up front. Here's the Got way it. it breaks down, Mark. A yeah. hundred and fifty million for the initial investment of the ballot marking devices. Then about fifteen million a year for ten years uh, for maintenance and testing of these twenty-seven thousand devices, which are basically unnecessary. Right, versus fifty and, million and five a year for the hand marking one, which you prefer anyway. It, exactly, and the and they're going to float a bond to buy these the ballot marking devices, and the interest on the bond alone is fifty million dollars, which would cover the purchase. Uh, the Hamark paper ballot. So, so a fiscal note would do this analysis officially, right? So you don't people don't have to take your word for it, but they do have to ask that this analysis be done. Is that what the fiscal note is? Yes, for something of this magnitude, it should be legally required, particularly when there's going to have a burden on the counties. How can um, people ask for that? Do they call? Well. Yeah, I think that they could call. Um, I, you know, I would start with the governor myself. Um, Governor Kemp at 404-656-1776. But then you can also call the Senate. Uh, the president pro tem there is Butch Miller, and uh, we can get those numbers for you. I'll have them in a minute. And what about, and, is there and, another hearing tomorrow that's open to the public? I mean, on Monday? Y- yes. Yes, there is. And that's that's one the one that I, we hope everybody will show up for. We're only going to have about 45 minutes of testimony in this particular hearing. We're expecting them to to continue to a third day. There's so many people that are outraged by this, and they all have different uh, perspectives and very articulate with their comments. So, And even if people don't want to speak, I just feel like putting the numbers of people there 
so they know that they're not going to get away with just ramrodding it through the Senate as well? Exactly. And they and you can always give your time to some of the folks that are equipped to, okay, so we've got to, to the numbers. We've got to take another break. That's um we're gonna talk about the where and when and you can also call uh Garland right now, eight hundred WSB Talk. This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez. Don't hate the player, hate the game, son. On News ninety five five at AM seven fifty WSB. I wonder if I asked people who that was, I think I would have gotten Quite a big response on the prize pack. We'll do that next time. Uh, tomorrow. We'll do it tomorrow between 12 and 2. So uh, I have on the phone my favorite local activist, Garland Favorito, uh, addressing my what I consider to be the most meaningful thing we can do uh, to at least kick the can down the road and preserve a little bit of the American system by ensuring or reinstituting uh, some voter integrity. I remember I had Jerry Henry on the phone, who's from GeorgiaCarry.org, and he said that when they established Georgia Carry, there were, I think Georgia was ranked 44th in Second Amendment rights, which surprises people because you would think that we'd be stronger. And through their efforts, I believe, it's up to like third or fourth. Garland, uh, hello again. Thank, thank you for hanging on. I... Aren't we terribly ranked as far as voter integrity in Georgia right now still? We are the worst state in both uh, voting systems and in uh, ballot access. Wow. So let's try to turn that around. I want to see the the kind of results that Georgia Carey got for voter integrity. And I think uh, the only thing I know that I can do to help is try to get the word out when you have a call to action which would be, for starters, I think, if people come on Monday at 9 a.m. in Atlanta to the State Senate Committee Room, CLOB 307. Is that how people say it? Is that in the Capitol building? Yeah, that's right. It's actually called it's the Coverdale uh, Legislative Office Building. It's named after Paul Coverdale, and it's right across the street. Right. Okay. Because I, I knew that some of the committee rooms are in the Capitol, but it's not in the Capitol. That's right. So okay. it's, but it's the adjoining building. All right. So that's Monday at 9 a.m. And uh, if you can't make it, call your – you said to call the governor. I thought the state senator, but you said the governor or who? Well, yeah, the state state senator would be great, uh, too. That's Kay Kirkpatrick. All right. So And the number one thing is to ask for a fiscal note. We need to analyze the the costs and comparative costs of – I mean, just to recap for people, right now uh, they are voting on or um, they're going to implement a new system of voting in Georgia. One, the two competing systems are a ballot marking device, which does not have – which where you vote, you vote on the screen – and there's never an original document that you yourself have marked versus the hand-marked version, which is, you think, better because it's actually auditable, and the experts say the ballot marking device is not auditable, and it's far cheaper. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, that's exactly right. And on, di- on top of that, it's not prone to hacking. You- so you can't uh, hack a, a hand-marked paper ballot. And I'm not just like – I. I'm not trying to push your cause. I have for a long, long time 
have been convinced that you absolutely have to have paper ballots. Once that's gone, we're living in like a dystopian <laughs> pretend world where it's it's as if you're rubbing the belly of the Buddha and hoping, you know what I mean? Like you go into a closed room and you press a button on a screen and they're just like, your vote has been recorded. I just, I'm not convinced by that. I want to write it down and I want them to have to produce it and count it in a big pile. I mean, I feel like you could write it down on a little piece of paper and put it in a shoebox and everybody walks the shoebox down to the Capitol and they open the shoebox and I watch people counting it. Like, I'm okay with that, but yeah. I'm not okay with we, the screen. We call it faith-based voting. Or uh, Wizard of Oz voting, give your vote to the man behind the curtain, and he'll record it for you. I love that. Wizard of Oz voting is the best. So uh, I would like to take some calls, open this up to calls, 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. Uh, but I don't want to get uh, ahead of you, Garland. What, uh, uh, you know, I heard, I, I heard, first of all, I want to just make clear, these, these systems are used for all elections, state, county, municipal, and federal, or not? Right. They would be all uh, elections. Now, the municipalities have some leeway not to use them if they choose not to, but most of them do because the state pays for the equipment. Okay. And uh, um, one thing I heard, I feel like it was an ad or what, where a lawmaker said that 75% of the voters in Georgia want the ballot marking device, which seems weird to me anyway because, like, are 75 percent of the voters in Georgia really have a strong opinion about it, really I, educated about it? So why would so you, glad, what does that mean? I'm so glad you mentioned that because that's the example of disinformation that's been floating around here. The actual poll that was conducted by the AJC showed that 55 percent of the people prefer hand-marked paper ballots. The, that particular poll was conducted by the uh, the campaign manager of Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger, uh, Mark Roundtree. Who's really and, into it, because I went to the Secretary of State's page, and it's all promoting this. It's very exactly. Pre- and it's, they've another already made the conclusion. The false information that's floating yeah. around. They um, have out, out there the cost of paper ballots being higher than the cost of the ballot marking machines, even though you would need uh, 27,000 of them that you would not need for paper ballots, for, was... for hand-marked ballots. So, okay. so it's, the uh, analysis is crazy out there. So let me, uh, just to give you a couple of examples of misinformation that the Secretary of State is promoting, and that's his elections director, Chris Harvey. But he would, his analysis has used a figure of 55, per, 55 cents per ballot. The actual expenditures, for example, in Cobb County are 28 per cents per ballot. And then he used a, a number that's four to eight times more ballots than you would actually have to print. Okay. So this so, is why so, we need a fiscal note. Yeah, exactly. And I thought that FreedomWorks did a great job. They summed up that, and they said, you took the uh, Chevrolet and you added up all the maintenance for 15 years, and then you claimed that it was more expensive than a Bentley. Interesting. So FreedomWorks yeah, That's exactly it. what they yeah. did. Okay. And here's the last thing, and then we've got full bank of calls, so let's get through those. But okay. uh, just my last thing was, is there any media coverage at these committees? Do you... Um, sometimes yes. you get some media coverage. Um, yes, there is. Uh, WABE uh, covers it. AJC covers it. Um, occasionally the AP will cover it. And right, once so, in a while the TV networks will show up. All right, that would be but, great. 
Let's, uh, let's covers, tweet it. But they don't really get into the real details the way that your show gets into them, Monica. Ah, thank you. Well, if you tweet at me of um, if we want to alert uh, those outlets, other outlets, and you tweet at me now, maybe we can get a little something viral going, especially on Twitter. I'm at, at Monica Perez Show. Let's, mm-hmm. And you're at Voter GA, at Voter GA. Yeah. So uh, let's, let's get to some calls. You ready, Garland? I am ready. All right, let's go. Diane, you are on with Monica, Binkley, and Garland. Go for it. Diane, can you hear me? How does this work? See, you know what? I've got Garland on one line. And Hi. Then... Oh, hey, Diane. Okay. I just, um, it sounds like this is a 21st century, a 20th century solution to a 21st century problem. If we have hand-marked voter ballots, what would you audit them against, and how do you avoid having boxes of ballots just appear and no way to trace where they came from? That, that was why we went to electronic ballotty anyway. Great question. Thank you for that. The um, first question, I think one of the issues that you're raising is how do you prevent ballot stuffing? So Georgia law requires the election officials to match the number of ballots that were cast to the number of voters voted at every level. So you can't stuff a ballot a box with in Georgia. Um, and then if you have to remember that the, paper, the ballot marking device is going to also print the paper as well. So there really is no difference uh, from once you scan the ballot as it goes back, that you've got the paper either way. And then you've got the law to protect you against ballot box stuffing. But great questions. All right. Thank you, Diane. I'm going to try to move on to the next call, but I'm not 100% sure how. Okay, so Garland, I've still got you, right? Yes. Okay, so now I'm going to go to Brian, who has another question. Okay, Brian, you're on with Garland and Monica and Binkley. Hi, Monica. Uh, Thanks for taking my call. Um, As an IT person, I just wanted to know, why couldn't we use like a QR printer and then have somebody type in, let's say you, you go and you vote, you type the people you want in the vote. The machine would spit out a, a QR label like they use at UPS, and then you'd scan that into another system that would log the vote. That way you'd have a paper ballot, and you also have your vote recorded. And then the second part of that I have to ask is how do we stop, like, dead people voting, illegal immigrants from voting? Um, I'm from Illinois, and it's we know it's up there, but nobody wants to address it. So would this help address something like that? Well, well let me answer. I'm, I'm going to start with the first question because that's a great question that everybody needs to know. And uh, we're talking about a QR code or a barcode, which um, that is if, if you're using it just to identify yourself for, as, as for register to vote, that's one thing. But what we don't want on the ballot, we don't want votes hi- hidden in these QR codes or barcodes, and because the voter didn't verify those. So, so what you, we don't want a system that shows the voter one set of votes and then tabulates hidden votes that are embedded in a barcode. That's unverifiable voting all over again. We had that 16 years ago. So we think that the machines should be out, outlawed that do that, that type of, 
of uh, barcode voting. Now, there are ballot marking devices that have no barcodes with just alignment marks, and those are okay because, as you know, being in IT, uh, you can't hide code in a mark sense bubble or an alignment mark. So yep. those are much safer, and they're not subject to security risks. So we would prefer, if you get into the what type of ballot marking to get, to get the ones that um, either have no barcode at all or do not embed the votes in the barcode. All right, you've got one minute, Garland, to address the other question. How do you deal with dead people voting or otherwise unqualified voters? Yeah, I think you're going to have that problem or potentially that problem in either system. Uh, these, the system choice doesn't really address that. That's more of a voter registration choice, but they are looking at, at new poll books as well. Um, so but I don't mean to cut you, you off, primarily but you have to that, uh, that keep issue. your rolls, the voter rolls clean, um, and then you would have to rely on that law that makes sure that you can't stop that ballot box. And that's the Secretary of State's job is to keep the voter rolls clean, or what's the story right. there? Right. Okay, right, so, that's, that's what I wanted to find out, because I, I don't want this to turn out like some other states where, oh, my God, we just found 16,000 votes in a locked room. Well, that's and, why oh, we got to count them now. And that's what I don't want to have happen here. And, Brian, I had Garland on previously during the election cycle. And the most we felt for this issue, the most important election was secretary of state. People don't think of it that hard, but he's the. You know, it's got the keys to the kingdom. I've got to take a break real quick, and we're going to come back. Probably having time for another call and uh, more from Garland wrapping it up. This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez. Everything you do is being watched. You all On News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Okay, we only have three minutes left, and I really, really, really want to get this call to action out. We've got callers asking. It's HB 316 if you want to show up. Uh, Monday, 9 a.m., Senate Committee Room in the Coverdell Building, CLOB 307. And uh, if you can't show up, just call your state senator, call Secretary of State, the governor, uh, and ask for a fiscal note on HB 316. And I'm uh, Garland, correct me if I'm wrong. That's correct, right? That is exactly right. And and the four key senators on this uh, subcommittee are Senator William Ligon, Senator Dean Burke, Senator Brian Strickland, and Senator Ed Harbinson. All right, great. Do you have uh, – think we can take one or two quick, quick calls? Sure. All right. Mike, ans- Mike, you're on. Ask your question quickly. We're trying to squeeze it in. Go. What are the criteria taken into consideration when you say that George is at the bottom voting for In other words, is it accuracy? Is the number of contested votes or what? You're, vo- you're, you're going in and out, Mike, but we got the idea. When you say George is at the bottom of, is it election integrity or what? What is it, and uh, where did you get that figure? Okay, so, yeah, the, it's, it's at the bottom in ballot access according to the ballot access news, which is the leading authority uh, in the country. And it's also been ranked as the worst in um, system reliability and recount preparedness. And that is was gotten uh, from Free Congress Foundation. It That study came out two years after we purchased these machines, and we haven't improved ever since. And what is ballot access? 
Um, that's when it's the most difficult for um, candidates to get on the ballot, third-party oh. candidates. So I we're you meant are the most restrictive yeah. in the country in that as well. All right. Um, we have one minute, and I think we, you can answer Karen's question in one minute if she can ask it in 15 seconds. Hey, Karen, okay. ask your question. Okay. Okay, my question is, what is the added cost for having manpower to actually record those paper ballots? Okay, so the cost of manpower, um, if you include everything, first of all, there's no difference in the way these are handled in the back end. Each, each the ballot marking device is going to print a, ba- a paper ballot and has its hand-marked ballot. If you, if you add up all the costs, it will be $10 million a year more to maintain all of the BMDs, the maintenance, the testing, the license fees, than it is to any uh, additional handling all right, so, of the So that was, an all, that was an all-in number. Garland, I'm absolutely out of time. We took it right to the red line. But I'm going to be on tomorrow from 12 to 2, and I'm going to tell people the call to action on Monday. Thank you so much, Garland. Talk to you again. Thanks, everybody. This Thank is you, Monica, Monica Perez.